Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast. On a Monday, we're going to talk some USC football, of course, like we always do on the Peristyle Podcast with the coach, Harvey Hyde. We got him on the line. We're going to pick his brain about what's been going on around this USC football program. No bowl practices. Obviously, the recruiting uh, early signing period is coming up very quickly. USC made one big splash hire. Haven't heard about too much of anyone else, so... We'll talk about that with the, some of the change-up in the coaching staff with the coach. If you have any questions or comments, uh, the best way to get a hold of us, podcast at uscfootball.com. That's our email address. But we like getting your text. We like getting your voicemails. We got some of those today to talk about. Podcast at uscfootball.com. Like I said, the email. But the number to call, I mean, to, to call, leave a voicemail, or to text us is 424-254-9141. Well, let's bring on, on the coach here and talk some USC football, of course. What is up, Coach? How are you? Well, it's another Monday. And again, uh, a lot is going on. It just depends what area you want to go, what you want to talk about. And rather than me just start off talking, uh, first thing I want to say is happy holidays to everyone up there, out there. Buckle up, ride along with us, part of the way, or all of the way. And a lot of people are listening uh, t- listening to us now, Ryan. I understand in the car. So, uh if you agree, fine. If you disagree, don't take it out on anybody. Just uh, <laughs> take it easy because it's just our opinion. But Ryan, rather than me just start with a rant and a rave or whatever you want me to do, I'm going to let you be the person that uh, sets the direction on where we're headed. Sounds good, Coach. And before we do all that, wanted to thank Southern California Tickets. It is the holiday season, like the coach said. If you want to give a, a gift, you're not sure what to get. You know, Dad, you don't want to get him a tie or some socks or something or Whatever you want to get your mom, you can give them tickets to something. So it doesn't have to be a sporting event. It could be tickets to a play or a musical, something like that. You can go to SoCalTix, uh, S-O-C-A-L-T-I-X.com, or just call Curtis at 1-800-888-7287. It does make a great gift if you want to get tickets for somebody. And uh, you could see maybe even you know if you want sports, you got the Rams and Chargers here in L.A. or whatever NFL team around the country, basketball hockey, lots of stuff going on in the world of sports. You can go to Southern California Tickets, and they will take care of you. Uh, Coach, do you ever give tickets away for, for Christmas gifts or holiday gifts? Yeah, I do. I really do. Uh, I, I like that. Uh, there, You know, in Pasadena, there's the Tournament of Roses Parade, which is absolutely fantastic. Also, the Rose Bowl game, which would be a great matchup, because this year you got the true Pac-12 champion against the true Big Ten champion, so that'll be a great game. So you can get a lot of things over there at Southern California Tickets. And, uh, you know, being in Pasadena, he has the opportunity of getting great seats for the parade and the game. So make sure when you call, you say, the coach said to call, and who knows? That might help you, or I don't know, it might hurt you. No, (laughs) depending on what he thinks, but I know it'll help you sometimes, okay? It's just, yeah, it's uh, Kurt, Coach has a good reputation over there, so hopefully it helps. Uh, we don't we don't want to hurt anybody if they're trying to get their tickets and stuff. No, 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 no. he'll take care of you. Yeah. Uh, well, okay. Ask him for ask him for a parking pass. Let's see how good uh, <laughs> the word coach means. Okay. <laughs> um, well, Coach, we didn't really get to talk to. We didn't do a show last week. Um, you know, the official 
hiring, uh, USC made it uh, official that USC has hired Cliff Kingsbury, the former uh, offensive coordinator for Houston and uh, Texas A&M. And of course, the, the, he was recent, most recently the head coach at Texas Tech, uh, coached a lot of great quarterbacks from Case Keenum to Johnny Manziel to Patrick Mahomes to Baker Mayfield, a bunch of dudes under his uh, watch there that did have done some really good things at college and moved on to the NFL and done good things as well. Uh, this morning, our friend Bruce Feldman tweeted this out. Uh, he said he spoke to a veteran Big 12 coach last night, and that coach said, in quotes, uh, Tech had a top 10 offense having to play three different quarterbacks and had a very average uh, and had very average skill guys this year. That was all cliff. That shows you just how good he is as a game planner and play caller. He's going to tear up that league, the Pac-12, up. Um, that was a, I thought it was an interesting tweet from, from Bruce Feldman. And maybe kind of get your thoughts on USC hiring Cliff Kingsbury. Well, I'll tell you, uh, I wasn't surprised. I was surprised, really, it took so long which means uh, the rumors were out uh, a week or so or 10 days before it even was done, approximately that. And uh, I think there was a lot of negotiating that was going on, and Cliff was listening to a lot of different people on what he could do and what he should do. I'm not sure if he's coaching on uh, Texas Tech money or USC's money or accommodation, but uh, he did decide, and I don't know what side uh, agreements were made there as far as coaching position. I'm surprised, really, that at this time there hasn't been any announcement of any other coaches that have been hired. I don't know what type of debating that's going on there, but normally when you're an offensive coordinator, you want your guys to be your guys, guys you've worked with before, guys you don't have to coach up, guys that already know what you want them to do as far as your running back coach, your offensive line coach, and also your receiver coach. And since he's going to be coaching the – quarterbacks that gives you another coach to put somewhere in the offense depending how clay helton breaks down his staff so i'm very surprised at how long that is taking because normally you know all those people are available back at texas tech with all these uh fantastic stats were were done and i'm not a stat guy you know i'm a win and loss guy so stats don't really impress me as much as wins and losses so, you know, you can have great stats, but if you don't win, it doesn't make any difference, okay? Uh, you, you've heard me talk about that before. I'm a little concerned that they're getting into that same problem they did a year ago as far as making Cliff the, the calendar guy, as they did JT Daniels. And uh, I don't like to see that happen. The head coach at USC is still Coach Clay Helton. So basically, it's his offense, his defense, and he's responsible for all of it. So uh, I don't know uh, exactly what's headed or what's happening there as far as along the way. So there's a lot of questions still to be asked. There's no question that they hired a guy that's had experience, at least. They've got a guy that's been a head coach. They've got a guy that's coached outstanding athletes. There's a guy that throws the ball around. Uh, Is that USC style? Well, it actually is going to be. And there's a lot of question marks, too, in recruiting that when you run four receivers, what happens to your tight ends that are currently at USC or commits that have already committed to USC as far as how they'll be implemented into this offense. So there's a lot of questions. There's a lot out there. I mean, I could talk the whole show <laughs> on just this hiring, you know, without you asking me a question, right? And I really could. And the hurry-up offense will be a hurry-up offense. 
And uh, again, on the defensive side of the football, I don't know really what's going on there. And we probably have questions there, too, or questions you want to ask me. So I'm going to stop talking so that you can take the lead here, buddy. Yeah, no, that, and I mean, I think we have several questions around that. Um, so we'll, we'll try to break it down into different chunks and, and talk about the hire and what it means and all that. Um, Nick uh, from Cyprus, our buddy, Big Nick 21 USC from the P., Maybe take a step back first before we dive into it more. What do you make of all the firings that happened and like the possible hires that are out there? What do you think? The firings as far as on the USC staff? Yeah. So there was, you know, like you said, there, there's basically five openings. You know, Neil Calloway was fired uh, a couple of months ago uh, during the season. And then, you know, more recently you had T. Martin being fired. Obviously he was replaced, um, but you also had, uh, Kenichi Udeze and uh, and Ronnie Bradford that were fired. Brian Ellis, who was the quarterback coach, he's essentially been replaced, but he moved on to to be the offensive coordinator at Western Kentucky, along with Clay Helton's brother, Tyson Helton, who left Tennessee and is now the head coach at Western Kentucky. So really there were four firings, Callaway, Bradford, Udeze, and Martin. Um, one departure in Ellis. And, you know, having Cliff Kingsbury come in, you replace the the OC and the Ellis part, but there's still some openings, like, as you said, but what you kind of think about what they've done with the coaching staff so far, I guess. Well, you know, you, you look at it and, you, uh, I don't know if that's Clay Helton's doing or Lynn Swan's doing, but they had to make some changes. They had to put some water on the fire after the UCLA game and, and other games, people are going crazy as far as the output of the offense and the second half performance of the offense and the, the adjustments of the offense and all of the above. In fact, in Lynn Swan's letter, uh, as far as the justifying the hiring of Clay Hilton, he listed all the things that were wrong with their program. And to me, as an, impo- as an opponent recruited against USC, I sort of take this and I say, hmm, all these things are wrong with USC. I thought that was a stupid thing to do. You don't have to put in, write down everything that's wrong with your program. You should say we've made some positive moves. We're going to move forward with all the good things we have here at USC. So, you know, I don't agree with everything that's happening. I think that you don't ever point out your weaknesses to anybody. You just talk about your strengths. And when you make, when you make coaching changes, obviously everyone uh, uh, is suspect of that. But this is a normal thing, guys. Coaching changes happen all the time. Uh, there's guys that are notorious for that. Lou Holtz would fire his whole defensive staff if they had a bad year. Oh, every one of them. Or offensive staff or other coaches do this all the time because this is the new method of where, all right, we've got to make some changes, and you make some changes in your staff, or we'll make a change with you. So the first thing they try to correct is by saying it was the assistants. It's the assistants' fault. And I do think. They needed to replace the offensive coordinator. Not that I, I don't think T. Martin's a good coach or a good recruiter. I don't even know him, okay? But from what I've observed as far as adjustments and what went on on the, on the field as far as offense, and it wasn't his fault. He just wasn't prepared and ready for it. He hadn't been a coordinator anywhere else, and he started calling his first plays at USC. Good recruiter, good guy, probably good father, everything else. He'll probably get a job somewhere, which, and again, he'll probably get another shot at doing that. Callaway, I think he was a, a good coach in his time, but I think it was time to make a change there because I haven't seen any improvement in the offensive line play, and all the players are returning offensive linemen unless they get better, or when is the last time they had a draft uh, in the NFL draft under his tutorship at USC that uh, really went on and really did well. So 
I think that was justified in uh, doing it. And when they did it, like I said, they did it at a time when they needed to put the fire out or at least show they were making some changes. As far as Bradford is concerned, uh, there have been a lot of big plays against the secondary, uh, a lot of pass interferences against the secondary, a lot of players that really haven't improved. You take Marshall, who was touted as an All-American, he couldn't even make All-Pac-12 and wasn't invited to the All-Star game, and on this and that. So there's a lot of reasons to point at certain positions. And when you have five-star players and they're not producing and it's really not happening, then you start to look at the coach. Now, I'm not saying he wasn't coaching them right. I'm not saying that they weren't burst-busted calls. I'm just saying there was things that weren't going correctly there. The defensive line, guys uh, leaving their gaps, going to the wrong gaps, uh, uh, all the different things, not getting a great pass rush. You know, you list all these things, and you say, oh, you got all these five-star players. Uh, well, if you have all these five-star players, then what is it? It must be the jockey, not the horse. So you have to point fingers somewhere, so you make a change, and you look at the overall scheme, and you say, is the coach, is it the scheme? Or what is it exactly why the defense isn't lived up, hasn't lived up to what it was supposed to be? So, yeah, you have to make co- coaching changes at times. Sometimes you're forced to do it, and sometimes as a head fo- football coach, you just say, I'm going to make this change. I'm going to make this change just to let people know, don't take things for granted around here. And uh, if you're not loyal to me or if you're not working at the level of what I expect you to do and you like to go home at 5 or sleep in your office when everybody's working, I'm going to show you that that doesn't happen around here. And we're going to dress a certain way. We're going to act a certain way. And you're going to recruit around here, too. Don't think that you're so good that I can't find a coach to coach your position that loves to recruit, too. So there's reasons for coaching changes, and I think they're all good. Since Lynn Swadden made the decision to keep Clay Helton, then he better start surrounding himself with people who knows what they're doing and knows how to recruit. But you better hurry. As you said earlier, Ryan, the National Letter of Intent is not that far away, and uh, I don't think right now they're having a great recruiting year. Yeah, seven days until the the dead period and then nine days until the early signing period starts. So um, you'd expect some, some news pretty soon. Um, you mentioned, so this is a, uh, there's some firings that were happening. I think Cliff Kingsbury is very positive. We'll talk more about that, but we had a voicemail that's kind of discussing that it, what they've done so far isn't enough. So I want to get your thoughts on that and I'll play it for you now. Hi, Ryan and gang. Uh, this is uh, Trojan Ray down in Florida. Uh, the hire of Kinsley is fabulous. I'm so excited about it. I can't even stand it. However, I hope that they go to the next level now and, A, give him his head, let him hire who he wants to hire for his staff, and, B, uh, most importantly, they have to change the strength and conditioning coach so that that strength and conditioning coach can be solely for football and not have to take care of the swimming and polo and volleyball and all the other stuff. SC's got to get back to doing what they do best. That's just win championships, win football games. Anyway, I love you guys. You guys are great. Thank you so much for sticking through all of this with us and keeping our hopes alive. Fight on, and Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Well, thank you. Same to you. Uh, I'll address, first of all, the strength and conditioning coach. Uh, He only does football, and he probably has three assistants that only do football, too. They work on football all the time. You can look at the type of program that they have. You might 
justify it. You might not. You might look at some of the top strength programs in America and visit them and find out what Alabama's doing or find out what Clemson's doing or find out what other people are doing that are, or Georgia, who's blowing people off the ball and have uh, good, strong, big linemen, freshmen that are starting, true freshmen that are starting against Alabama and other teams and playing so well, while at some programs, true freshmen have to wait their turn or redshirt or they're not good enough to play, yet they're, they're a five-star player. So you've got to look and see what other people are doing. I don't know what they do at USC. I've never been in the weight room. I never watch their workouts. I don't know if they work out as a team or they work out as individuals. The way I hear a lot is there's a lot of individual workouts going on, and I don't believe in that. I believe in circuit training. I believe that you're all in the same uniform. You're all doing the same thing, whether you're by position or team, and uh, or you're all offense, all defense. And uh, the way we used to do it, we used to have an offensive guy spot a defensive guy. That way they both worked together, and they both pushed each other so that they both knew both sides of the football was working. Offensive linemen worked out with defensive linemen. So they both assisted each other even in stretching. They made sure they were getting ready for practice. So there's different ways of making sure that not only is it an individual effort, it's a team effort that everybody is uniting. Because remember, the offseason is longer than the regular season. So you can get more done during the offseason than you can during the regular season as far as developing your players. And sometimes all that field work isn't any good. Those kids get burned out, burned out with all the passing and all the different drills you do and things on the field, and you need to have them really do different things, handball, different things for quickness, strength, agility, power, depending on what position you play. So I don't know what they're doing in the strength and conditioning room, but I'll tell you, I'd take a real good look at who has the best strength programs in America, and I'd find out right now, uh, who I would get. And and when I was the head coach at UNLV, the first thing I did is I went to what I thought was the strongest program in America, and that was Nebraska with its offensive line and defensive linemen. Boyd Epley was the uh, strength and conditioning coach there. In fact, they started a strength and conditioning program there, a uh, graduate uh, degree there. And I went there and I sat down with him and watched their team work out in red shirts and white shirts and everybody, everybody uh, everybody was dressed immaculate, same color shoes, same socks, and so on. And we took that, we took that program, and I said, "Give me your best guy here that wants to be a head strength coach." And I hired him, and I let him put together the exact same program. Because I saw it, I watched it. I wasn't too busy not to be there, and I went to where I thought the biggest, strongest offensive linemen, defensive linemen in the country were, and I wanted to find out how they made them. So I'll stop on that. Nice. Um, well, what about to Cliff Kingsbury hiring his own coaches? Oh, I think they should. I think they have you, you as a head coach. They always work for you. Now, don't get me wrong. The loyalty doesn't go to Cliff. The loyalty goes to the head football coach. Okay, he can have a say and recommend him to me, but the final word is from the head coach. I want you to know that right now. You don't work for Lynn Swan. You work for the head football coach. You don't work for the president. You work for the head football coach. If you're on my staff. Okay, and Cliff, Cliff works for me too. He doesn't have his own offense. He works for me too. Now I believe in him enough to let him run the offense, but I control the game. Okay, and uh, his assistants work for me too. I just want to make that straight for everyone. All right. Um, let's see. Our next question. Let's go to Eric and Duck Country. So, and, and just to be clear, 
uh, Clay Hilton's not replacing any other coordinators as, as of, at least as of now, by uh, except for um, T. Martin and Cliff Kingsbury. But Eric says if uh, Clay Hilton hires elite coordinators, can they bring toughness and discipline if it's not coming from the head coach too? Thanks as always, Eric and Duck Country. Well, you better if you're not the personality to have toughness in you, and you can't be fake, okay? Can't be fake and say all of a sudden well, I'm a tough guy now. You know it's all over with. You've already set the stage of who you are and what you believe in and and uh, what your principles are. But you can show toughness. You can show discipline, but not saying anything. But allowing your coaches to be more verbal. Allowing your coaches to have assignments to be the enforcer, and you enforcing the coaches by letting the coaches know and the team know that you're the boss and also by being in control of the practice and maybe standing in the tower. He's never been in the tower, become aloof a little bit from everybody. Let them know who the boss is. Walk around and watch the coaches coach and correct the coaches at times. Let them know you have the final say. Let them know if a drill's not being coached properly, step in on any drill you want to step in and stop practice or call them Call everybody together when you think it's a bad practice and say, hey, guys, we're starting over or, or whatever you need to do. You've got to be the boss, the boss over the players, but more, more over the coaches. They've got to know it's not equal out here. And when I say come over to me, it's not stroll over to me. It's run over to me as a group or we'll go back on the field and practice running back and forth to me or running on the field back and forth. This is what we're going to do here. And I'd also put the coaches in all the same uniform. And I might be in a white shirt and they might be in a red shirt. I'm just saying I might. To let them know, yeah, they're all that color, but I'm this color. Which means I've got one vote that means more than all their votes. (laughs) And you have to let them know that. And you can do it without saying anything. You could do it by just being a head coach and assigning people responsibilities. Makes sense, Coach. Um, okay, so this voicemail I don't necessarily agree with, but I thought it would be good to talk about, you know, the pros and cons, I guess, whatever you could say about uh, USC hiring Cliff Kingsbury. But let, let me play it for you and then get your thoughts. Here you go. Hi, Ryan. This is Al from Central Valley. Um, talking about Kingsbury and the hire, uh, I'm not sure why everyone's getting excited. You have one man who's coming from a – Team in the Big 12 who wasn't even competitive. Uh, the guy's lost um, 40 games and won only 35, hasn't had a real winning season. Um, so we're going to bring a guy in who hasn't been able to compete with the big dogs in the Big 12 and think he's going to reform USC when we have problems with our offensive line, uh, receiving, uh, running back coach. We have so many other positions to fill and everyone's getting excited over one guy. I, I just don't understand uh, what the hoopla is all about. Unless Clay Hilton is ready to reform what the team has been doing in the last year, um, we're going to see more of the same. Uh, I'd like to hear what the coach has to say about that. Fight on. Well, you know, I agree with you to a point. I do agree with you. I haven't seen a lot of uh, receivers uh, committing immediately. Uh, I haven't seen or heard many comments from the receivers, unless Ryan has from USC on their excitement. I'm sure they are, but they're going to catch more balls. I'm uh, anxious to see a spring practice. I really am. 
to see exactly who this guy is. I'm not as familiar as everybody else might be of him. I knew that I know he's called. He, they they say he coached uh, Baker Mayfield. The last time I remember, Baker Mayfield left Texas Tech, okay, and went to Oklahoma. I think he only coached Johnny Manziel a year. I'm not sure, but he's getting credit for a lot of things. And of course, you do that when you bring a new guy in. And I don't want to say he's not great. He is great. But I can't say he's great until I see he's great. Until I see the production of the offensive football team. I think he's getting too many laurels already. Like I said about JT Daniels. Hey, let a guy prove himself. Let JT prove himself on the football field. Let this guy prove himself on the football field. And I think that uh, all these things, uh, people have just been looking to say something and positive and write something and talk about them on podcast and this and that. Hey, let the guy go out and recruit somebody. Let me see a quarterback commit. Let me let me see them. Uh, are they going to decommit de- somebody? They're going to bring somebody else in. What are they going to do? Well, let me see this action on the offseason, spring practice, fall camp, uh, all of the above, and then I'll be able to make a decision. Right now, everybody's made all these decisions right now, and right now it looks as though they're going to score 1,000 points and who knows what else? But, you know, there's a lot of things that still happen uh, before you start evaluating how great you're going to be. Now, uh, this is for, you know, we're talking about uh, uh, Al in the Central Valley. Al, like, uh, I'm not going to, you know, that was a little bit of a pessimistic answer, I guess you could say, from the coach. I, not a pessimistic one, well, a realistic one. Re- okay, realistic. realistic. This is a guy who's every offense he's touched, it's in the top 10. Like he just does things to put points on the board. And USC was 90th in points scored last year. So that's, they were tied with Oregon State. They have athletes. They don't have a good scheme. They don't have a good offensive plan. And what Cliff Kingsbury will bring is a great offensive plan. Yeah, he coached Johnny Manziel one year, the year he won the Heisman Trophy. Uh, he benched Baker Mayfield to play Patrick Mahomes, you know, who's been amazeballs. You know, I mean, there's, I think if you look at what he's done, there's some really good things on the offensive side. You're talking about his head coaching record. Yeah, that wasn't great. It was, you know, he's a Texas Tech. Uh, you're going against a lot of big boys. You're not getting the same kind of players. The, you know who, which, which uh, school over the last five years has put the most wide receivers in the NFL? It's been Texas Tech. So I feel like his offensive resume is really good. And if you need to make some sort of change on the offense, you do it. You bring a guy like this in. He's probably not going to be sticking around for a while. You know, there are people in the NFL were looking at him, all that stuff. So I'm not as pessimistic as Al. And I'm not, not saying you're being pessimistic, Coach, but I feel like USC had an offensive problem. And I don't know what else you could do to fix it quicker than bringing in a guy like Cliff Kingsbury. Well, I'll agree with you as far as they have a problem. Okay, I agree with you that, but it isn't just one area, okay? And it's uh, a lot uh, to accomplish and, and change things. I mean, when you don't have one player make all league and, and you have all these great players, everybody's talking about all these great players, I want to see these great players play, okay? I want to see people live up to, rather than dancing in the end zone and wearing their shirts tucked up under their shoulder pads and everything else, I want to see football players. Now, you might think I'm pessimistic. I'm realistic. Uh, I'm, I'm telling you exactly what's happening out there in the coaching world when coaches recruit against USC, when they talk about them. Right now, USC's got some problems. And for people not to be realistic about that, 
then they got a problem because I, I'm a true Trojan fan, but I want to see more than happen to just hire a coach. I want to see exactly what they're doing to help this coach be successful and be and surround him with good people. And that's exactly what needs to happen. But to delay the hiring of all these coaches, who's hiring the coaches? Who's making that determination? I want to know that. Why does it take so long? If it's such a great job, why aren't people leaving their places and coming to USC? Something's not right, and that's what I'm saying. No, I, I agree with you there, Coach. Um, I feel I don't think this is enough. Um, I think they needed to make more changes. If you want to do everything that Lynn Swan said he wanted to change in that email that um, announced Clay Helton would return, I think you have to do more. But this was you know, a glaring issue. I don't feel like it was a great offensive scheme. I feel like they were relying on talent. And now you're going to see someone that can take offenses that don't have a lot of talent and put up a lot of points. I'm just curious to see how that works. Like, well, what can Cliff Kingsbury do with a five-star quarterback? I mean, he's had, you know, he's made great quarterbacks uh, or helped develop them, but taking guys that are already highly ranked and a bunch of five-star receivers, what is this offense going to look like? And we've seen them have uh, a tight end that, you know, mostly played wide wide receiver, but catch over a hundred balls. We've seen him in his offense at Texas tech, have a, a running back that, ran for over 1,400 yards. So I think he's been able to adjust pretty well. Um, so, I mean, personally, I'm pretty optimistic on this is this is going to fix a lot of the problems. Now, does it? there's going to be underlining problems. I guess it'll, it'll lead us to our next question. You can talk about the change of the culture. But, um, it, yes, I, I think fixing the offense will fix a lot. But Tom in the South Bay said uh, – let, let me just ask oh, you this oh, question. Oh, oh, sure, go ahead. You, you mentioned a moment ago all the great quarterbacks he's coached, right? Yes. All right, then do you think that might have anything to do with his success as an offensive coach? Uh, sure, but I mean, I think Okay, for... that's all I'm stopping at right there. Right. You're a great coach when you have great players, okay? But how and much do you, you develop those, those players and forecast them? Oh, you develop them. Oh, yes, you have to develop them. You're a great coach, but you have talent to develop. And this is what I'm anxious to see, what he does with the current quarterbacks that are on campus. Is it going to be an open again competition? Yeah. Is it going to be, or is it going to be just JT again? I mean, what exactly is going to be the philosophy? So before I form an opinion in any way to any of our listeners, I want to see what's going to happen. Okay. Yeah. We'll hopefully get to see that in the spring. Uh, so Tom in the South Bay, I think he's along the same lines of, this is a good change, but not enough. He said, Lynn Swan is talking about changing the culture. When you need a change, it has to start from the top. When you are removing a bad tree, you need to remove the roots. Otherwise, it will come back. Letting go of a few assistants will not do it. Uh, Clay will also resist changes made by the new assistants. He will not change the practices nor discipline the players. He must be forced to make changes. Otherwise, he will not do it. We saw the the proof the last three years. Your opinion, please. Keep up the good work. Tom in the South Bay. Well, Tom, I think we, we hashed on a lot of that already. Uh, I'm not going to neglect your question, but I do ag- agree with you. There's a lot of things that need to be changed, and I think if you just check Lynn Swan's letter, it sort of lists them all, okay? And he wrote that publicly out, so I'm not saying things that uh, the head of the athletic department didn't release. He said it himself. We're, we're, we're neglecting uh, these areas, so then that's uh, of concern. Now, I'm not coaching the team or running the athletic department, 
So how do you address those? How do you fix those things? Uh, And definitely I agree with him. Those things need to be fixed. You've heard me talk about it on podcasts, on shows, and everything else. Uh, Adjustments need to be changed. Sideline behavior needs to be changed. A lot of things need need to be changed. So who's making the decision to to make these changes? So uh, if they're going to happen, then I'm going to watch it. I'm not going to talk about it until I see what's going to happen. But I think that's just all part of uh, what's going on, and we'll see if those changes do happen that he listed in his letter. Um, yeah, there was. So, what were the changes? They were change the culture, uh, change the discipline, change the personnel, change the scheme, change the staff. Like there was a lot of things, um, and I thought it was curious, like that that he came up with that Sunday morning and said Clay Hilton had a plan after losing the game Saturday night. I mean, that was pretty quick. So, I mean, obviously his mind was made up. It didn't matter what happened. Um, but that's a lot to change. And I, I get uh, I get the point from Tom. If you got to change all that, you probably should be making the, the right move would be what the fans wanted in changing uh, the head coach, you know? So I, I think that's where a lot of the fans are coming from, Coach, where they feel like, yeah, you want to change the culture? Like, this isn't the way to go about it. You needed to, to change from the very top. No, I agree with what you're saying. I do. It's a lot easier if you do that. But that wasn't a decision. So now what you have to do is you have to take what the decision was, and now what are you going to do with it? I mean, how are you going to repair the engine, okay? Yeah. Uh, you, you didn't buy a new engine. You didn't uh, make that change that uh, all the fans wanted to make. So now since they didn't make that change, what are you going to do and how are you going to get it so this, this, this plane flies again? So that's the thing I'm waiting to see. And I think we, it's easy to talk about it, but let's see what happens. They pay guys $3 million a year to make those decisions. Right. They make, get paid a lot of money. Um, we got one last question for you, Coach uh, Percy. Uh, Ryan, can you speak with Coach Hyde about how prospective coaches uh, may future the current – okay, uh, I don't think he worded that correctly, but he's concerned that uh, potential coaches – um, may not want to come to the situation that USC is in now. They couldn't maybe get the cream of the crop because they might not want to work under Clay Helton and for Lynn Swan. Thanks for all you do uh, from from Percy. Well, I think that if I was an assistant coach coming to Southern California, I'd, it'd be a, an honor to coach at USC, okay? be an honor because I look at USC as a type of program, as a coach, okay? But I think there's a lot of... Uh, question marks, uh, unless I get a multi-year contract, unless I live locally, uh, I would really think about it twice, especially if I have a good job. And normally if you go after somebody that you want at USC, he has a good job. But the guy's got a family and he needs security. So he's going to want at least a three-year contract because you don't live in Southern California. I don't care where you commute from. And you can't spend all your time sleeping in the office. you got to go home occasionally. So you got to have commitments where you're going to say, I want a three-year contract because I'm making pretty good money where I'm at. I love your school. I'll come. All you need to do is pay me this or your agent's uh, uh, doing the deal for you. Pay me this, and I'll be there tomorrow morning. But I, I don't know because there's that question mark about their first six games and will they survive the first six games. And do I want to be relieved of my coaching position or have that thought of being relieved of my coaching position if they're not successful or we're not successful halfway through the season? So I'll be damned if I'm going to take a one-year contract. 
So you've got to look at what their difficulty is as far as hiring a coach. So unless they get and give these guys multi-year contracts, which means they're going to obligate themselves for more money out there, you're not going to get the quality coach because the quality coach is already a quality coach somewhere else on a winning program. That's why I hear them talking about a defensive line coach, and I don't know the kid. I don't know. He's 27 years old and coach at Illinois, and I don't know who he is. He was a graduate assistant at USC. Nothing against him. He's a young, good coach. But you don't need beginners. You need quality. Now, he's probably single or whatever. Maybe he's married. He'll come and coach for nothing for free. But is that what you want at USC? Learners? New guys? You want some Ed Orgerons. You want some Davises. You want some guys like that hanging around that the coaches look at and the kids look at and they say, hell, he's my age. Let's go out tonight, coach. I mean, you can't. You can't tolerate that. You've got to separate yourself from the players where they get the respect of you, of who you are, and this and that. So, you know, I'm not talking against that kid. I'm just saying might be a good uh, backup guy. But as my defensive line coach, that's where it's one, guys, on the defensive line and the offensive line. That's where it's one. No, yeah, I agree with you, Coach. And I think – I mean, you look at the Cliff Kingsbury hire, that's a big hire. Uh, but that was a, a very special situation. Um, if they had to make more, uh, would there be some concerns? You know, we'll see. I think, well, like Coach said, you probably are going to have to give longer-term deals uh, to some guys because of that. Um, so there's there's definitely some, you know, kind of concerns with that. Uh, but, you know, the, the first hire, the biggest one, was pretty big. We'll see what um, you know, they do kind of going forward with some of the other spots, you, you know, you mentioned, you know, coach mentioned at least one, you know, potential like former graduate assistant from USC. Like, those aren't the kind of hires you really want to, you want to bring in people that are experienced and, and have done their job quite a while to help out this, uh, to help out the team, because that's, you know, just having a Cliff Kingsbury there is another voice in the room. That's a guy that's been a head coach and you don't have those kind of voices around Clay Helton right now. So, uh, that's at least a, a good step in the right direction, I would say. Um, Coach, I wanted to get your thoughts. You mentioned the schedule, uh, so the first six games are, are pretty tough. Um, what you know, you looked at the schedule overall. Did you have any kind of thoughts on it, like where you know if it was good or bad for USC, or what would you think? Well, I tell you, if it was someone who was trying to get even with me, I would say, man, this guy's getting even with me. <laughs> I, that's the first thing I would say. I'm not saying it's a conference trying to do that or anything else, but to play six games like that in a row, one by, end of the year, or whatever, the second by is at the end of the year, I'd say, wow. I mean, all six of them are in bowl games. And all six of them are great football teams. So uh, I would say, you know, playing at BYU, I, I played BYU before with Steve Young, okay? We played him to a hell of a game, I thought. Uh, 27 zip, and I didn't have Randall at that time. It was a pretty good game against BYU. I'll tell you, playing up there, Provo, hey, they're big, they're physical, and they'll look forward to playing USC. So that's a tough game to win. Stanford always is a tough game to win. Uh, Notre Dame, you know, they're a tough game. Washington, Oregon, I mean, look at these teams. They're having great recruiting years. They're all going to bowl games. One's going to the Rose Bowl. One's going to the playoffs. I mean, Look at it. I mean, it's a tough schedule, and USC's in a rebuilding mode right now, and who knows what's going to happen. So I'm telling you, every practice, every minute, I'm going to tell you, is very valuable 
for the USC uh, coaching staff and football program. This is why you can hear me in my voice saying, what's the holdup? These guys are working. These guys are practicing. They're going to be practicing. Fresno State, who you open with, is practicing. They have a game this Saturday. What are your guys doing? So, you know, these, you know, I don't get into all this stuff, but these are things you're falling farther behind on. Your first six games, those teams will be practicing. Okay? So what more can I say? Yeah. Uh, it's uh, it's definitely going to be challenging. I think nine of the 12 teams that USC plays are bowl teams. So, you know, 75% of your schedules still practicing right now. Um, all right, coach. Uh, one, you know, there's one other topic I wanted to bring up and this, this comes up a lot. So, uh, it's talking about, you know, an offensive scheme, the playbook and, you know, things have adapted over the years, but just in general, like when you're talking about someone's coming up, you know, where does like a playbook come from? Is it something that you, you change every year? Is it like you get rid of plays? Um, you, you add plays. Is, is it, you know, always coming from the offensive coordinator? Is it worked with the head coach? Um, cause you know, obviously with Cliff Kingsbury coming in, you assume he's going to bring in his own, there's going to be new terminology. There's going to be new plays. There's going to be a different sort of playbook, but what USC's had over the years seems like it's been something that's been almost like a hand-me-down. Like this is what Kiffin was running or Sark was running and Clay Helton adapted some of it. And here's what you have. And maybe T Martin had some kind of input, but how does that kind of come to be? Uh, and is there the, like this, this Bible of plays that you look at and you change and everyone, you know, it gets disseminated down to everybody. How does that kind of work uh, for a coach in, in their offensive philosophy and playbook? Well, it comes from years of experience. It comes from years of experience. Like when Norm Chow came to USC, he brought everything with him. And those guys did exactly what Norm Chow said. He was in charge of the offense, worked for Pete Carroll. He was Pete Carroll's offensive coordinator. He brought years of experience from wherever he was coaching. I mean, he graduate of Utah, BYU, Texas, uh, what North Carolina State, all these different backgrounds. As a coach, every year you put together a foundation of what you have and what did work and what didn't work. And during the season, you figure out why it didn't work and you try to say it's not good anymore. Or you find out if they do this, I'm going to do that. And you tweak your offense every year where it becomes something that you have in your head that you know exactly what to do. You don't think about it during certain times because you've been through it. You've made the adjustments. You know what works, what doesn't work. And what happened as far as with the Norm Chow offense, all these other younger guys came along, and they tried to run Norm Chow's offense without knowing Norm Chow's offense completely like Norm Chow knew it. They thought they knew more, and they tweaked it here and they tweaked it there, and they had Reggie Bush on the sideline in the Rose Bowl game, the biggest play of the year. Oh, blah, 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 blah. Okay? <laughs> so, because of lack of experience or lack of understanding of what you're doing and what's big and what's not. So now he comes in and he's had the experience. He knows exactly, and no one will tweak his stuff. They might sit there, and this is why I say they should be his coaches. But they've been through it with him also, and he has already coached the coaches. Now, you don't want to bring coaches in that he has to coach. Then they got to go out, and he's got to make sure they're coaching the kids right to what he wants to have his guys that work for Clay Helton that understand what his objective is as far as with the offensive schemes of what he has learned works and what doesn't work. 
and where those players should be playing as far as the returning receivers or the return. What do I want as a right tackle? What do I need as a center? I know I need this type of center because of what we do and our calls. Our left tackle has got to do this. So that's why this guy will play left tackle. You've got to give him all of that because he's learned exactly. He knows who's an inside receiver, a slaughter, who's an outside receiver, and all the things with what he's trying to accomplish. So you've got to give him his years of experience and success and control of that offense because that's why you hired him. And he's got to understand that if it doesn't work, he's gone. But you can't expect him to be successful when you're telling him what to do. What the hell? Why did you hire him? (laughs) So you allow yourself from what his credentials are to do the surgery. And if the patient dies, he dies with it. If the patient lives, he'll be back coaching in the NFL as a head football coach or another four-year university. And that's what you hope happens, but that means you've been successful. All right. Coach Harvey Hyde. Breaking it down. We always appreciate your thoughts. Uh, lots to talk about today. Some really great questions and comments from all the fans. So thank you for sending those in. And I uh, hope we hope you enjoyed our answers. Um, and coach, I uh, hope you enjoyed your time. Thanks for coming on again. Oh, well, thank you guys. And again, all you out there that are listening, we thank you for being a part of it and participating uh, and asking the questions because really ours is just our opinion. You can agree or disagree. Uh, but that's why we do the show so that we can sort of stimulate each other. Okay. When you, and listen, if you don't agree with me, call in or do the email us and say, coach, you're, you know what you're talking about. And I've heard that before too. Okay. So I want you to know, (laughs) and I don't get mad at you. Okay. Yeah. So do that. Call into the show. Don't come up to coach when he's eating dinner and and tell him you want to talk about it. It's it's funny though, because we do talk about this a lot. Like that's basically what everyone wants to talk about. You know, when you run into them in real life, too, and it's like hard because like, well, listen to the show. You can we talk about it. That. I, I almost am a prisoner of this. I mean, I walk into rest. Hey, that's coach. Hey, coach, tell us about last week's game. I said, well, I just talked about it for an hour and a half and <laughs> I did it another one. Now, can you here? Let me give you. You got a piece of paper. <laughs> listen to it, man. It's hard, though. I mean, it's great. It's always fun talking to people when they you know, come up to you. Oh, and yeah, talk they are about, good yeah. people. You're good people, all of you. It is. Uh, it is. Uh, it's great. But you this... care. You know why? You know what? What you have, Ryan? You have hardcore football people. Hardcore people who like USC. High core. High people that really experience stress and winning and losing. People that bleed cardinal of gold. This is what this podcast is about, and this is what your website is about. People who care about the success of USC through the athletic program, and they love the right of being able to be proud of their university, starting with the athletic program and all the other things that they have on campus. So, hey, we understand it, okay? I understand it. That's why I don't understand sometimes why all this black is now being used in the football program and the athletic programs at USC. Why? You see coaches wearing black shirts. You see players wearing black shirts. You see black sweats. That's not your colors. You bleed cardinal and gold. you got to live with cardinal and gold. And uh, I just pointed that out. That's another <laughs> thing I got off my chest, okay? I guess. Not that you believe it or not, but don't let me go any farther. Just stop now. Okay, we'll stop now. That's the Coach Harvey Hyde. Follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde or go to his website, harveyhyde.com. 
You can follow me on Twitter at Inside Troy. Do appreciate you listening to our little show, the Peristyle Podcast. We'll have a Dan Weber show this week. We'll have a uh, Tunnel Vision on Thursday night. Do that one live and probably do a uh, recruiting podcast with Gerard Martinez as well. So go to make sure you go to uscfootball.com. As always, and if you're not a subscriber, get on there. Subscribe. It's the it's the best. You're a Trojan fan. You want to know what's going on day in and day out. We got it all on uscfootball.com. So 10 bucks a month. It's great. You'll love it. And it's a great gift too. If you want to get you a USC Trojan fan uh in your you know in your immediate family or friend or whatever, you want to let give them a gift of uscfootball.com VIP membership. We do appreciate that too. So but thanks for thanks to the coach. Thanks for all you for tuning in, and we will talk to you next time. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287. 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.